Welcome everyone to another episode of Podium Stories. Today we have a really special guest in the building, a friend of mine. He's the CEO and founder of Scaled Up Marketing and FP Growth. His name is Corey Kersey. At FP Growth, they help financial advisors and planners accelerate their growth and scale their impact by leveraging digital tools. Um, Kurt, thank you so much for being here, man. Thanks for having me, brother. Absolutely. So one of the things that I want to start with is you didn't start in the marketing side, in the marketing side of things. You started uh, building your own financial planning practice, uh, I think for over six years, somewhere around that, if, if that's correct. And, yeah. and you had a strong career on that, right? And you say on your LinkedIn, I enjoyed my work, but I kept getting stuck. So I wanted to ask you about uh, how you build that and what, at what point were you like, okay, I, I want to change fields a little bit and start kind of over again. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it didn't, uh, it didn't happen overnight by any stretch right. of the imagination. I kind of fell into the financial planning world in a lot of ways. My dad's been in that world for his whole career, mm -hmm. um, 30 plus years, which he hates when I say, cause it dates him. <laughs> right. But, um, so I, uh, after undergrad, I was actually on track to go do my JD MBA. Gotcha. Um, and, uh, had a, a, a mentor, a friend kind of approach me and say, Hey, you know, what, why do you want to be an attorney? And I said, well, I think I'm pretty good at taking these kind of complex ideas and communicating them in a simple way and helping people take advantage of it. Right. And, uh, and he said, well, do you realize that's the same thing you would do as an advisor, except if you go the attorney route, you probably won't actually talk to a client for like the first 10 years of your career. <laughs> and I said, good point. Maybe I should look at this whole advisor world. And, and so three uh, years of law school and, and all that, right. That's right, man. That's yeah. right. And I still, every once in a while, I'm a little bit of a nerd. So I'm like, maybe I'll go back and do my JD just for, just because yeah. I want to. I, I, I was thinking about being a lawyer as well. I entered at a law firm uh, just to make sure, right? Because law school in the United yeah. States is so expensive, but I was already looking for schools. I, I was preparing for the, for the test. And I was like, well, let me intern for a few months and make sure I actually like it before I spend all this money. And it's I was like, so it funny. might not be my thing. It's funny to me how many entrepreneurs I talk to that at one point were thinking about being attorneys. I don't know what, what that, what that's about, but like probably just like craving like knowledge. Yeah. And, and competition, uh, right? I think a little bit. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and debating and I, I yeah, think that's true. similar skills. Yeah. And yeah. That's really know, interesting. I don't think we know which route is the right one. So we think about that one for sure. Yeah, that like critical thinking side mm -hmm. is is interesting. But yeah, so I mean, the other factor in all of that was like, uh, every attorney I talked to said, don't be an attorney, you'll hate it. <laughs> and every advisor I talked to said, it's the best career you could ever get into. So, right. so I was like, all right, I'll go this route. <laughs> so all that to say, like, I was never, I wasn't the guy who in college, like, like, I didn't take a finance course at all. Gotcha. Um I was never the guy that was like watching the stock market. Like the, the money side of it was never really that interesting to me. Mm -hmm. What I found interesting as I learned more about what my dad did was like the analysis is a small part of being an advisor. Right. The, the majority of your world is relationships. And I've mm -hmm. always been a relational guy. And so that's really what drew me to the, to the career. Um, gotcha. And that's what got me off to a really fast start. But as I started to work with more and more sophisticated clients, the planning and the analysis side became heavier. And I realized, gosh, I really just don't want to sit in this advisor seat for the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I also realized, you know, I was with a, an amazing firm um, that does fantastic work across the U.S. 
but that because of some of the restrictions inside of that firm and in that industry, I wasn't ever going to be able to be as entrepreneurial as I, as I would have liked. And so, right. you know, get out of college, I still didn't know much about myself. Right. <laughs> and as I learned more about how I was wired and, and what I really wanted to kind of dig my teeth into, um, I realized that I, I wanted to be able to have, you know, build and, and, and uh, develop three or four different companies and like really go after it in that way. And that world just wasn't going to allow me to do that. So I really leaped without knowing what I was going to do next. Um, I, I kind of took a year where I was transitioning my clients over to other advisors and making sure that process transitioned well. I toyed around with a few different kind of ideas of what my, what my role might evolve into, even like partnering with my dad and what could that look like. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and ultimately through that process, I had a few advisors raise their hand and say, Hey, I don't know what you're going to do next, but we would pay you to coach or consult around some of this, like specifically in that world, this LinkedIn stuff that you've right. been doing. And so, uh, so I said, sure, like I might as well. I don't know where my next paycheck's coming from. And, uh, and so started doing a little bit of that and realized, gosh, okay, this keeps me connected to an industry that I really love. Mm -hmm. um, but doing the part of the work that I probably am the best at right. uh, and enjoy the most. And so from there, I spent about a year, um, just me solo consultant, uh, working with a couple freelance graphic designers to help create mm -hmm. marketing collateral as needed. Mm -hmm. um, but really doing mostly like coaching and consulting um, and got to a point uh, where I realized, you know, a lot of these advisors need not just somebody that can point out the fire, right. but that can go put the fire out. And so we pivoted to, I pivoted to building an agency model. And uh, here we are about uh, coming up on four years later, three and a half years later. Um, we're a team of five, including mm -hmm. myself. And uh, none of us are classically trained marketers. Right. <laughs> We've all kind of self-taught, uh, dabbled, uh, have kind of a blend of strategy and creative um, and built a, a full service marketing agency. And I think from the outside, right, like having so much experience in that industry positions you as the best marketer for those people because you're a peer to them, right? You've, you've been in their shoes for a lot of years. And now that you know the marketing side as well. I think it's a no-brainer for people in the financial industry to work with you versus working with me, which like we, we do similar stuff, but you have like, such a great niche there that positions you so in a much better position. Yeah, I appreciate that. We definitely understand their world deeper mm -hmm. than most uh, most agencies. Right. Um, we understand like what they can and can't do, which is a big, a big piece of it, right? Like it, it's annoying to try to put a marketing campaign together and not understand the compliance restrictions, right? Because you're going to go down a bunch of different paths that just you legally can't do and you could get in some hot water. Um, but also just understanding that like their business w will is and always will be highly relational, right? right. Like we're never going to get to a point where an advisor can sell a financial plan uh, through an e-com site, right? Like that's just not going to exist. And so not that different from what you do in the B2B space. It's about brand. It's about reputation. It's about telling a compelling story that attracts and reinforces the value that you bring to your clients. So, so this is something that I want to ask you, right? Because I worked in the financial industry for 45 days. And yeah. <laughs> I, I quit. And, Good for and, you. The, and the one thing I learned, I was... 20 getting my MBA just graduated I had no idea what I was doing yeah um, 
But what were still, you doing? Remind me. So I was uh, as a financial advisor. Uh, oh, you were okay. Yeah, for for forty five days, like I said, I got my. I think it was like license sixty one or sixty three, and then uh-huh. started working. And I was like, okay, this is not it. I'm gonna go right in Spain. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you got uh, to it quicker than I did. But, uh, and I sold my car and, and the apartment I had just leased. And I was like, all right, I messed up. And my That's parents awesome. were not happy. But, <laughs> uh, but what I wanted to ask you was, um, sorry, I kind of lost my the train of thought. Um, yeah, so financial industry, the one thing I learned in 45 days is, is what you said, right? So much relationship-based. Um, the, the people that I were working with really uh, were really social empathetic right like they were really good at building relationships one-on-one they had big portfolios um, and that's something that i it caught my eye from the day one and i think that's something that i could have done better but uh but but that i saw that people that were successful at it were doing well and it's interesting to me how you guys are doing that um, with social media without losing the high touch highly relational culture of the financial industry how are you guys finding a middle point right using yeah. linkedin using social media but still being one-on-one conversations, one-on-one relationships. How do you guys yeah. um, play in that field? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, um, uh, how we're actually executing on it in a couple different ways. I mean, I think we live in a world now where digital is not an option, it's a requirement. Right. And so when you're dealing with something as important to someone as their finances, as literally the way that they uh, put their kids through school or retire or buy a home uh, or put food on the table, uh, there has to be an immense amount of trust right. and trust is now uh, in those early phases of getting to know a financial planning firm, it's equated to, well, what does their website say? Right. <laughs> when I look them up on LinkedIn, what does their LinkedIn profile look like? Do they have an Instagram account? Like, do they exist? Right. I think in today's world, if you don't have a website, you don't have a presence on social media, you don't exist or you do and you're shady. Right. right? Yeah. And so a lot of it initially is just helping these advisors understand that when somebody types your name into Google, what they find is going to forever impact the way that they see your firm, right? Um, the second piece is starting some of those early conversations in a way that isn't so cold, right? So mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of traditional uh, quote unquote marketing in this space is done really through cold calling or direct mail, right? It's done by saying, here's a big block of people to go reach out to and try to in 30 seconds or less, convince them that it's worth staying on the phone for five minutes, then convince them that it's worth having a half hour introductory meeting and build trust from there, right? That's a hard value proposition. Mm -hmm. It's a hard thing kind of hill to climb, right? And so what we do is I want to say, hey, before you ever even pick up the phone or before they ever even have an opportunity to schedule that half hour introductory meeting, I want them to already feel like they kind of know you, right? right? And that's the whole purpose of a podcast or of social media content is to put your brand out there in a way that your prospects, ideal clients, and even your clients feel like they know, like, and trust you more than they did before they saw that piece of content. Absolutely. Uh, and this leads me to a question that I was so interested in uh, about um, the financial industry is not a mar- very marketing driven industry, right? Yeah. Like, like you said, there's a lot of outbound, there's a lot of cold calling. Um, now I'm sure there's cold emailing, but it's very outreach based. So how do you educate an industry that for them, this is very innovative 
it's break it's breakthroughing, but they also don't trust it because it's not the way things have been done for the last thirty years. Yeah. Uh, so how do you go to these companies and explain? Here's the option B that you have not considered yet. Yeah. Sometimes you don't. Right. <laughs> is the short answer. I mean, I think you, you're touching on something that's really important for the industry, the financial services industry at large, which is you have all these old school banks, all right. these old school broker dealers that um, have not evolved with the times, haven't had to evolve with the times, right? right? They have an embedded brand that's been around forever, that whether people trust them or not is irrelevant because they have no other options. Right. Right. Now we're starting to see a world where you have uh, ally bank that's popping up. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have, you know, uh, uh, organizations that aren't tied to a physical location. Um, SoFi, right, is doing a ton of marketing in the, in generally in the financial services space to build a brand, at least in the U.S. Mm-hmm. And then in the financial planning world specifically, you have this, uh, you know, independent firms have been around for a long time. Um, but there's a wave right now of a lot of folks coming from an insurance-based uh, business or a broker-dealer and saying, I want to be a fiduciary. I want to have that level of independence that my clients can trust in a different way. Um, and so you have kind of this disruption happening in the financial planning world where they're having to think about things like, what is our brand all about? Right. What do we name our firm? How do we get the word out? Where before the broker-dealer or the insurance firm or whoever they were associated with was doing a lot of that work on their behalf. And now as independents, they're having to build it from scratch right. and it creates such a beautiful opportunity for them to say, cool, for the first time ever, I get to define the <laughs> message that I'm delivering to the market. Yeah, and it's something that uh, from the outside, at least as an outsider of the industry, it seems like the vast majority of, of financial companies are not doing, right? Like they're not taking advantage of social media, these new opportunities that have come up um, and they're sticking to the old ways, right? So, so what are the yeah. main objections that you get during a sales process in, in that sense of uh, when you go to those companies, what, what are they telling you? Um, yeah, re- I mean, reject the idea. I, you know, I, I can, I can rattle off four or five that are like the typical objections, which is like, uh, you know, you touched on it earlier. Our business is relational. People don't do business over the internet. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do I know if this stuff works? Right. right? Or, you know, before the, the, the pandemic that we're living through right now and all of this shake up, it was like, well, things are good. Do I really need to do anything different? But the truth is like, I'm a big believer, you know, we talked about uh, both being Gary Vaynerchuk fans. Uh, And one of the things I love that Gary says is don't sell the unsellable. And so, you know, we're practicing what we preach in that our brand and our reputation speaks for itself. Oftentimes, I'm not having to deal with the objection of like, does this stuff really work? Mm -hmm. Maybe we were three years ago when A, I was just getting started and B, a lot of social media kind of tide was just turning in the financial services space. Right now we're at a point where people are going, how do I catch up? Right. I know I'm behind what, like we can't do it all. What should we prioritize? That makes sense. And, and I think like you said, right, that they're starting to catch up and it's a different mentality of like, okay, how do I do this? Not do I even need to do this? And, yeah. and I think that mentality Besides the way I think you, you guys promote the business, uh, again, from the outside, uh, you guys are really walking the talk, right? So a lot of uh, the leads that you must be generating, um, at least they're aware of your, of your brand beforehand and you're very relationship-based. So uh, we do the same thing, right? Like we, yeah. personally, we have never sent a cold email because we do personal branding. So we build my personal brand and we double down on that. 
and and the best part of my sales process is saying, well, you're here because you saw my LinkedIn post and then you reached out. And now yeah. you're wondering if I can do your LinkedIn. Well, you're proof that it works. Yeah. So yeah. I think being able to show that you're doing what you're preaching, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, we're, I'm, I'm weird, right? Because like I, <laughs> I believe in marketing and brand and I absolutely believe that when you can hit a certain scale mm-hmm. um, in certain revenue base that outbound um, either takes a backseat or becomes, uh, or becomes irrelevant. Right. Um, but frankly, like we, we have practiced what we preach in that when a firm is just getting off the ground, my encouragement is, hey, you need a good solid brand and you need a clear message. Um, and you probably should be creating content, but that's long tail. Yeah, for uh, sure. Short term, you need to work your network. You need to be yeah. reaching out to people. Like you need to go hustle. And so frankly, we're, we've done an okay job with brand and content strategy. Mm-hmm. We're starting to do more of it now, three and a half years in. Mm-hmm. The last two years have been like hustle and muscle and me working, working our network and building good relationships just kind of on my back right um right or wrong that's just that we that's how we've gotten revenue in the yeah, door yeah and get it, to where we are you know it works it works right and, and when and both you and i know that content marketing is not going to work uh, you put a piece of content on linkedin monday you're not going to generate the lead on thursday and i wish you know i think marketers know that i think some marketers are great at communicating that right but there's a lot in the marketing system right now especially in the advisor world which is like 90 leads in the next 30 days right. kind of thing. And it's just, frankly, like you can edit me if you want to, but it's horseshit, man. Like oh, sure. it's, it's going to damage your brand more than it's going to help. And it's just not true. Like you might get 90 names, emails, and phone numbers, but they're not prospects yeah, yeah. for they you. They right. Fuck about you. Somebody know. scraped them off right. of LinkedIn or whatever. And like, it, but advisors are falling for that because they're not educating themselves and they want quick results. Um, and so like branding and content marketing is amazing for the firm that's five, 10, 15 years in and is in it for legacy and long-term impact of their firm. Now that's not to say that like we need to be held to results in some capacity. It might be leads. It might be website traffic. It might be email list growth, whatever those metrics are that we're going to be held accountable to. Um, but helping that's a big piece of what we do is help advisors understand like what is brand and marketing versus sales in business development. And they're very different things. Right. So we've mentioned a few times LinkedIn through our conversation and that's where you and I got connected for the first time uh, a couple of months back. Uh, So I think it's really interesting to reflect on how uh, networking, business development, but also connecting with our peers and and friends has changed through social media and, and LinkedIn specifically, right? Uh, yeah. So I want to hear your thoughts on like how you're utilizing LinkedIn and, and what it's meant for, for you as well uh, yeah. to connect and, and do business differently from 10 years ago. Yeah, well, I wish I had the numbers already put together, but our, our team is working on right now because I was in a meeting recently and I was running through our client list. And for whatever reason, it just jumped out to me. I'm like, holy crap, like the majority of these clients either came directly from a cold relationship, some mm-hmm. kind of cold engagement on LinkedIn, uh, or they were somebody else that I connected to on LinkedIn, connected us with this mm-hmm. end right. client, right? Like the, crazy. they spawned originally from LinkedIn still. And, I, and, and so I wish I could go back through the numbers. We're gonna go through like all of our revenue numbers and look at like how much business has been generated just literally off of 
you know, w- what I believe in in LinkedIn is not like outbound, go ask for the sale, mm-hmm. right? It, it is brand and it's content development. And then in conjunction with that, it's real relationship building. Yeah. Right. Like a lot of our clients come from uh, me reaching out and saying, hey, I noticed this thing that you posted about recently and I thought it was really cool. And here's a, a tool or a resource or an idea that's not even ours oftentimes that right. like, like I love Digital Marketer, right? Their stuff mm-hmm. is amazing. Uh, oftentimes I'll, I'll go, hey, you should go check out this blog about creating pillar content from Digital Marketer because I think it, you would really appreciate it and enjoy it, right? right? And they go, hey, I was actually looking at your profile. Like, can we jump on a call for 15 minutes? Like that blog was super helpful, but I'm no good at this stuff, you know? And the conversation develops naturally that way. And we'll build a relationship over three to six months or whatever. Some people it's that week we're sending out a proposal after we have that conversation. Others it's cool, like let's stay in touch. Like I think eventually we might need to, and then guess what? I stay in touch right. <laughs> and eventually we do business, you know? Right, but I think, uh, and <clears throat> do you think that being on the financial industry for so many years and getting clients through relationship is now helping you as a CEO as well? And, and there's no question. Right? Yeah, there's no question. I, I've actually said that to um, the guy that was our, our chief development officer uh-huh. uh, at the firm that I worked at. Uh, he and I still have a great relationship. I respect him a ton. And uh, I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, you're literally responsible right. for my success as an entrepreneur because I, I don't, you know, I think you can in some industries be an entrepreneur without uh, being good at sales, but you have to be really great at ops. You have to be really great at finance. You have to, you know, go out and acquire mm-hmm. uh, business, whatever, whatever the case may be. Versus if you want to bootstrap something, if you want to build it from the ground up, you have to know how to sell um, and not sell in like the Grant Cardone, like cold right. call your face off way, <laughs> but sell in like build, rela- build real true relational trust and convert that into win-win relationships where money is exchanged. For sure. And I think that was one of the main challenges that I faced over the first year because uh, mm. I really didn't uh, trust my ability to sell. Mm. And I think the problem was I was comparing myself to the Jordan Belfords, the Grand Cardones, the, the yeah. salespeople of the world. And at one point I realized that's not me, right? I'm yeah. a guy that is going to build a relationship with you one-on-one. It's going to put out a ton of content and I'm going to be very consultative in my approach. But I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs like, like myself um, have this idea of like to be a good salesperson, you have to um, be able to conv- convince people of buying what they don't need. And it's not that, right? Yeah. You, you want to help yeah. them. And if that it's a win-win, then even better. Yeah. But, uh, that, yeah. That's one of the, the main challenges that I face myself. Yeah, I think, I think that's really good. And, and, and that's a great encouragement, right? If there's young entrepreneurs listening or um, even young salespeople listening right. in any way, like um, what you just described, I think is the transition from like ground and pound, like sales strategies versus like just putting yourself in a position to serve. Like our, our approach to building our business and my approach to sales is really more focused on like, I just want to be there when the resources and the tools that we have developed can be put to amazing use to help our clients go have a, a, a deeper impact, right? Like if I can just make sure I'm putting myself in the seat where they go, hey, Kurt's team does a great job at that, let's work with them, right. then like that's sales, right? Yeah. 
And I think it's about being top of mind when people are ready to buy, right? Because yeah. and making deposits of trust along the way, right? Like what you're yeah. saying, sending them a resource, sending them blog posts, whatever it is. Uh, and so look, that, that means that doesn't mean don't ask for the business. Like right. I like I'm good at asking. Like right. <laughs> I'm good at finally finding the right moment in a tactful way to say, hey, we could. I think we could be a resource to you. Mm-hmm. Are you comfortable with me putting together some ideas of what that would look like? And what's your budget? Like what, what, tell me what marketing looks like for you guys right now. And mm-hmm. really understanding like, cool, what can, how, how could that relationship start where we start to actually partner on some stuff? Right. How do you identify that moment? How you're like, okay, we're, we're a good point. We, we build trust, we build a relationship. Now it's a moment I think I have to ask. That's a good, that's a good question. I don't know that I to can answer thing? that like full. Yeah. Like it, it's probably more just reps. Like I've okay. just done it a lot and probably right. screwed it up plenty when I was an advisor, especially, mm-hmm. um, and screwed up plenty in this business, I'm sure too. Um, uh, but I, I would say, I mean, at, at the point where I know that they now understand what we're great at and what we're not, mm-hmm. um, and they understand that we're great at some things that they're not great at. Um, and that I've gotten to a level with them where they know we can generate ideas and good work. Then it just is like, I would be, I would be disrespecting them by not saying, Hey, I think we can help. Are you open to talking about that? Right. You know what I mean? Like that's, (laughs) that to me is like, uh, you see somebody with a flat tire on the side of the road right? and there you can tell that they're clueless about how to fix it. And you know exactly how to change the tire and you just choose to keep driving and not even volunteer to help. Like the, if you're not asking for the business, that's what you're doing day in, day that. out. That's a great analogy, right? Because it's doing them a disservice by not trying to help them. Well, it's a great analogy because we've all done it, right? Like right. How, how many times have you actually like, I know how to, I know how to change flat tire. Yeah, I don't I've know seen how to plenty of people tire. on the highway with flat tire <laughs> I'm the and driven right by and how I'm wired. I always get, I'll get a half mile, a mile, two miles down the road and I'm going, damn it. That was, I should have stopped. Like, <laughs> where I'm going is not, not that important. Like I could be an hour late, a half hour late, whatever. Uh, and I'll think about that like for weeks later. Right. And right. so, and I think like, you know, and I'm, that's not to say like, if you don't think about that constantly, like you're right, a bad right, person, right. but I, but I think ultimately as a business owner, you have to put yourself in that mentality of like, when you're driving on the highway and you see somebody that needs help and you have the resources to help them, uh, that like, it's your responsibility to go reach out to them and offer to help. I love that. That's just such a 180 degree mindset shift on sales right because we always think about this uh, being salespeople, like grand cardone but it, but it's really like we just described just trying to help somebody um, make their life and make their business better yeah and i think there's a ton of entrepreneurs that not only do they just like drive past the the car on the side of the road and don't offer to help but like don't ever pull their car out of the garage Right. And just think that like that person with the flat tire is going to come find them, knock on their door <laughs> and ask for help. Right? right. And like, that's that like in a lot of ways, I think that's what's broken about a lot of perception of what marketing is mm-hmm. like marketing is uh, uh, creating like, you know, you know what a triple a car looks yeah. like. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
what what's cool about a triple a vehicle is like if i'm broken down on the side of the road i know if i see a triple a truck go by i'm gonna flag that sucker down and try to get some help right uh marketing is like making sure that somebody that's on the side of the road can see your triple (laughs) a car right and that they know what triple a does for you they know to like grab you right absolutely uh, Kurt, uh, I don't want to take more of your time. Uh, I know we have to end this here, but I really appreciate you uh, jumping on the podcast. I always enjoy talking to you a lot uh, and I appreciate your time. Man. Likewise, brother. I believe wholeheartedly in everything you guys are doing. Uh, I think you're doing awesome work in the B2B space for, for your listeners. Like uh, I saw Marty comment on something that uh, from a post from somebody I was following. I don't even remember exactly what. Right. And he's done such a good job on his LinkedIn profile that his headline caught my eye. So I clicked on it and then he did such a great job in, in the rest of his profile. that I was like, huh, I, I like this guy. We should be <laughs> and just reached out to him cold. And so there's so many lessons in there, man. But like and two uh, months I'm later, excited. we're doing a podcast. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Two months later, we're doing a podcast and we're, we're going to partner on stuff. We're going to be friends for a long time. And so uh, just keep doing what you're doing, man. If anybody is, if you're in conversations with Marty and his team, if you're curious about what they do, uh, you should absolutely have a conversation and figure out how to work together. Okay. You're making me, you're making me lush right now, man. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I, like I said, I I really appreciate you taking your time to be here. Uh, Where can people reach out to you? Uh, We're going to put the links here, but website, LinkedIn, anything like that. Yeah, I mean, honestly, for for your audience, LinkedIn, like if if okay. I can answer any questions or like you know, time permitting, jump on a quick a quick call, give any feedback or what we've learned as we've built this business, like uh, I'm a I'm a totally open book, so uh, feel free to hunt me down and, uh, and and reach out. Thank you so much, and if you're listening, I appreciate you being here for another episode. Don't forget to subscribe or share or don't whatever, and we'll see you next time. Awesome, thank you.